This is Afterthought, also known as Middle-Aged Lefties Talking, on CKUW 95.9 FM. My name is Erica Wee. And I'm Lynn Fernandez. Our email address is afterthought, one word, at ckuw.ca. Please get in touch with any comments, feedback, or ideas. Thanks for joining us again on Afterthought. Um, This is actually part two of the conversation on the topic of what is government for. And to help us talk about that, I've got Gary Lowen, Shauna McKinnon, and Blair Hamilton. If you tuned in last week, you heard the beginning of that conversation. And we ended it off by talking about, uh, you know, the role that government has taken during COVID as far as prescribing, really, what our behaviors should be to mitigate this whole epidemic and how that was an appropriate role, although many people who are uh, with, would not agree with that. Um, so if, I think we can. there's more to say about that particular topic, more to talk about. And I guess it comes down to, like, how is it that we've got this division going on in, in society? I mean, it has surprised me, actually. At the beginning of COVID, I thought, okay, there's this fringe element out there, and and they'll come around, but it doesn't seem to be the case. It uh, seems to be still a major issue. Uh, what are your thoughts around that? I mean, I feel like maybe it, it has to do with suspicion of government. And, and if so, then why is that the case? It doesn't, uh, who would like to start on that? Well, I'd love to start on that. Okay. I, I think it's super important to distinguish between the oblivious and the ideologues among the, the first off, the, the unvaxxed population is, is a minority and quite a strong minority of the population. You know, there's, there's broad support for these vaccinations, but then among them, there's just people who just like, don't get what's going on for whatever reason. And then there's the kind of hardcore ideologues who are, who are anti-vax. And what I would say is, you know, these people aren't just anti-government. You know, if you, if you drill down on them, they are also anti-media, they're, they're anti-corporation. Uh, they're, they're anti-egghead intellectuals. Um, they're, they're anti a bunch of stuff. They're, they're really uh, not conservative so much as they're nihilists. And, 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 you know, they're happy to just throw a spanner in the works and watch it all blow up, right? There's no real analysis there. And, and it, you know, it's a really small group. And I don't think they're going to come around to rational uh, dialogue. Um, but, you know, it, it's a cultural thing that's going on. And the, the extent to which their message resonates it should be culturally concerning for us, but I think it's not restricted to COVID. There's a whole bunch of other things going on that are, are helping to drive that. I could go on longer, but but let these guys jump in. Sure. Gary, did you want to take a stab at that one? I know you've talked about how you know some people personally who who uh, are pretty strong anti-vaxxers, hey? Yeah, I, I know of some people. Mm-hmm. So friends are friends, relatives are relatives, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think Blair said it very well. I think uh, I know I tend to get focused on the anti-vaxxers and I uh, I also tend to get focused on uh, some of the anti-government folks in the United States and, and kind of the chaos that they've created down there. Um, and and I, I have a tendency to put the two groups in, in the same lump, which I probably shouldn't do. I think Blair is right. Here in our country, uh, the anti-vaxxers, what we should be doing instead of bemoaning the small group of anti-vaxxers is we should be celebrating 
the 90% already of, like here in Manitoba, I noticed uh, this morning that we're just short of 90% of all eligible uh, citizens have gotten at least one dose. And so that we, we should be celebrating that. that that's huge consensus for, over any kind of an issue in a, in a country as diverse or a province as diverse as ours. That's true. Uh, mm-hmm. But and I don't have a lot of answers for how to get at uh, the really hardcore anti-vaxxers and as Blair said, anti a lot of other things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Some of it is some kind of a religious thing. Uh, again, I don't really think it's the religion driving it. I think um, it's something else driving it and then religion being used as an excuse. Um, I, I, I don't know. I know that Sean is going to want to talk about uh, what's good strategies for how to either exclude or include folks of that of that kind. Um, but um, which I would find a very interesting. I don't know what is a. I wish I had some strategies. My, I, I, I can't find a way to have conversation with that group of people. I don't know how to do that. Okay, Shauna, and then I've got a thought about that. Well, you go ahead. Well, I, uh, just to, uh, yeah. just to say that when Trudeau, when was it, two weeks ago or something, when he came out and said, you know, and, and I don't agree with Trudeau on a lot on on some things, but when he came out and said, all federal employees, you got to be vaxxed or you're out of a job. I mean, no more of this mamby pamping around. We've been patient with you, and no working, no can't work from home. No, you can't get rapid tests. You're at home and you're not getting paid. I was kind of glad. I was kind of happy. I thought, yeah, it's time. You know, we've been uh, mamby pambying around about this for a while, and I felt like it comes a time when you got to draw the line. Sean, what did you think? I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I think what troubles me about this, and I agree with Blair's point. Like, there's this, there's this group of people that we may not, well, we may as well not even bother with. You're not going to change, you know, their mind. And the concern about those people is how many of the others who are kind of you know, just out there not paying attention, how, how, how many of those people get sucked into that thinking? Because I think that happens, especially with social media, people go in these rabbit holes on Facebook, or they may have questions. And if you get drawn to a certain crowd, people, you know, people are very easily influenced when they're not sure, right? If you're just not sure, and if you get pulled into a certain way of thinking, I mean, that's what's happening, I would imagine in some of the places in southern Manitoba. I don't know. I don't know any of those folks, you know, uh, but that must be happening that people are just not sure. And so they, they listen to whoever's there and then that kind of draws them. And so if people don't have their own analysis and so they're not looking at science or, you know, yeah. but, but I worry a little bit about, and I think this is what you were talking about, Gary, we talked about this earlier. It's just our way of ridiculing people like I don't think it is helpful like if we put everybody into this box that if they're not vaccinated somehow they're these you know whack jobs who are you know not you know unintelligent you know like I just don't think it's helpful because what you do then is you push them over right you're you're pushing them over to the the side of the whack jobs is that a word <laughs> it's, it works. I know, it but, works. But, but, keep going. but Gary rolled his eye or gave, gave me a look when I said it. So, anyway, um, no, it's, it's like uh, you you aren't going to make somebody less racist by calling exactly, him a racist. Exactly, right? Yeah. So it just it worries me, and I cringe sometimes. And I'm no better because I don't know how to talk to people either because I don't have patience for any of it. But I just have this this feeling that what we're doing isn't really helpful. And I mentioned watching like 
this hour is 22 minutes a couple times and they really are focusing on that and they really are ridiculing people and painting people you know as you know being you know i don't know i just i just don't think this is the way we should be going and i don't know what the right what the answer is but we should be reflecting on that i think we have to find a way to yeah, we have to find a way to talk to each other about yeah. this. Yeah. Everything. There was a there was an interview with a guy on CBC mm-hmm. a little while ago. I don't know if people heard it. And he had recently been vaccinated and he had been an anti-vaxxer, like a very vocal anti-vaxxer for many years. And he said what what it was that convinced him was not, you know, Rusin lecturing on CBC or it was basically people that he knew you know, just asking him questions and giving their perspective and, and just having a conversation non-judgmentally that eventually he came over. So I think that's probably the case. We shouldn't be making people feel like they're stupid. Yeah, and also I think this is the same guy that I heard. And and it was somebody in his family that he talked to, like a physician, somebody mm-hmm. in the medical. Yeah. So somebody that he trusted to begin with yeah. and somebody that was not ridiculing him right off the bat but trying mm-hmm. to engage with him so yeah so it worked for that guy i don't know if it'll yeah, i don't know but it, it, it just it, it it gives us some information mm-hmm. about what is working for people who have been you know and he said he described himself as a, an anti-vaxxer right not just hesitant yeah anybody else have anything to add to that or well i, I think i'd just like to say that there i think there are a variety of approaches that people can take and that people do take. So you gave the example of Trudeau and, and his approach has become hardline and that will impact some folks. And uh, Shauna gave the example of somebody who was accepted and was uh, uh, um, involved in a discussion where he, where he wasn't judged and that worked. And I think different strategies work with different people and and different people and some of us are capable of, of following through on one type of uh, conversation and, and others can do another type and so I, there isn't one answer to mm-hmm. this in yeah. Terms of oh yeah like and I, di- I don't disagree with the approach when you're talking about you know uh, making a policy that you know government workers and for the public health that's sort of separate for me for me it's more us as people how we have the conversations is different than you know making that kind of a Mm -hmm. policy statement because i think it was the right thing to do as well right uh blair did you have anything you wanted to add or well you know i mean i think it's you know always important in these conversations to to really uh stress the point that you know it's a mandate to to get vaccinated in order to participate in certain things that it's not a forced vaccination, you know, because that's that's really what where some people draw the line uh, and say, like, you know, you, you can be unvaccinated, just you're not going to be able to do certain things. Like other people aren't, aren't going to want to be near you, and, and so then people kind of come to their own conclusions about how interacting with the rest of the human race is, how valuable that is to them. Yeah, uh, and and I think that I think we've seen that that approach works. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go to a bombers game unless you've got this proof of vaccination. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so back to government's role in all of this. Um, I can't help but think, though, that for some of the people who are anti-vax, whether they're extremely anti-vax or moderately anti-vax, uh, there is this big suspicion in government, right? So where does that suspicion come from? And I wonder sometimes if 
Like our, our, the way that our government works has become kind of divisive too, like just within government with parties kind of fighting with each other, uh, you know, personal attacks amongst um, government members. Has, I wonder if some of that suspicion, like people are just kind of tired of that and so don't end up trusting what our government officials are saying. I don't know, does any of that make sense to you guys and want to address it? Blair? Well, you know, again, I, I would say that, that some of the, the distrust of government, I mean, there's a general kind of uh, people hold politicians in contempt. That's been going on for, for a long time now, the, the devaluation of, of politicians and government in general. But, you know, it, this particularly anti-vax or conspiratorial thinking and, and really a distrust, an active distrust of government, I think is a bit of a different animal. And I, I think it's related to those other distrusts of other things. And, uh -huh. and to me, and I, I root that in, in alienation. It's people trying to take agency over a world that they don't they've ceased to understand anymore you know it's changing in ways that they can't comprehend like global climate change is basically invisible to the naked eye right you just kind of take it on faith that it's happening and you kind of draw the inference from reports and observations and you know god you get started on facebook and algorithms and like who's in charge of that i don't know it scares the hell out of me you know so so when you look at government and all these how complex our society has become there's i think certain uh number of people who just feel so scared by and so alienated that, that buying into conspiracy is how they're exercising agency over the world around them and and government is part of that so like it, there's always they you know so their way of being the smartest person in the room i think um and, and it leads down some really you know dark holes right i completely okay. agree with that i i think that 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 the term alienation is exactly what this is about and 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 we've seen it like far before covid i mean we saw it all throughout you know trump's presidency that's what you know what is happening there and this is just kind of adding another layer onto it so i i think that i agree with that Gary, you too. well and and uh then there's the other there's a whole bunch of we could lift up a whole bunch of examples of where uh, a healthy you, you, you should have a healthy mistrust of government. I mean, we, we have so many examples of where government has not been the friend of the people and uh, where, thank goodness for some people who don't, uh, who, who, who are a little skeptical and who, I don't mean that in terms of the COVID situation, but, but in terms of that general distrust of government, thank goodness that... Uh, uh, we don't just assume that they're always looking out for our best interests. And, I mean, government has huge power, and with huge power, if it's unchecked, often comes some level of tyranny. And we've, uh, residential schools would be, you know, the strongest example of what's going on in our society right now that would tell us about that, but it wouldn't be nearly the only one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's also the, the, the reality of, for some, it's, it's more... A lot of it around vaccination is is uh, distrust or uh, of the corporate sector, like the pharmaceutical companies, because ah, there's yes. a whole other line that's of thinking, right? Like that, yes. that's the pharmaceutical companies are just, you know, mm -hmm. manufacturing and, this so that they can make money on the vaccination. Like that, that's a that's another. And you know, part of that might you know, and and, and you can and they are making a lot of money. They are making a lot of money. That doesn't sort of understand that. Yeah, for sure, because yeah. they're. There are all sorts of reasons to be concerned about large pharmaceutical companies. However, yeah. in yeah. this case, well, and, and 
just not to belabor the point, but, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there's some messaging going on that, that was, um, you know, our government was not necessarily communicating the clearest way. I mean, I, I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys remember the, oh, you won't need masks, yeah. you know, period of this, right? Um, you know, AstraZeneca, you know, just get the first one that's available to you. Well, you know, as it turns out now, like, you're upgrading your AstraZeneca if you want to go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so they haven't always been forthcoming with all the details and I know like there's reasons that they want to you know they're, they're trying to manage behavior and prevent panic they have reasons that they're trying to do this but mm -hmm. you know that doesn't help build the trust you know in, in the messaging for sure yeah, yeah although I mean I think if, uh, that gets back to sort of a suspicion of science and maybe a lack of understanding of how science works like especially when you got a brand new virus that it's evolving and you're learning as you go along and what you didn't know yesterday you do today that kind of thing yeah, oh no, no, absolutely. It's yeah. it's a it's a moving target, but but you know, just like sometimes those of us who, who listen to these press releases and and press briefings a lot, you know, you'll you'll hear the nuance in the language, and you'll say, ah, you know what, that they're phrasing it that way for a reason, and, and then you, you start to dig a little bit, like okay, you know, let's let's uh, let's unpack it, and um, you know, I go along because I, I can figure out the logic, but if you don't get past that, yeah, yeah. parsing it out. Uh, you're left with a suspicion, like, are they really telling me the truth? Well, exactly, yeah. But if I can just go back to uh, the way government seems to be operating now, like very kind of combative, and I, do you guys not think that that is the case? Like, it seems to me back, okay, I'm thinking like back in the Lester Pearson years, okay, this is going to really label me as a senior or middle-aged middle-aged senior <laughs> middle-aged senior i mean it seemed like there was more collaboration more points of connection more trying to work together amongst the parties to try and make things happen maybe i remember that wrong i don't know but like even on the provincial level like I, you know there's just a lot of attacking like does it really have to be that way gary what do you think well so i my impression is the same as yours. My impression is that there was much more bipartisan activity uh, 30, 40 years ago than there is today. I don't know whether that's accurate, uh, but I think, I, I think from what I've experienced and what I've read about it, that, that it likely is. So I'm very discouraged by the inability, by the amount of gamesmanship that goes on, whether it's provincial politics or federal politics. Just the you, you just don't get the sense that um, that the parties are. You, you get the sense that they have one eye on what's best for the country but a bigger eye on what's best for their party and, and, and what can beat down the other party. And so, yeah, I, I, I am discouraged by the level at which, especially the conflictual stuff in, uh, in politics is going right now. Yeah. yeah, I guess another way to describe it would be hyper-partisanship, you know, yeah. putting the party above everything else. What are you, Blair, what's your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, I think it's a it's a failure of leadership and, and character, you know, in a lot of ways. Like, I, I think back to, to the Tories, like, like Ethan Baker or Stanfield or Joe Clark, and like, yeah, I, they're Tory politicians, so I wouldn't have a lot in common with them ideologically, but I would never doubt that they were decent human beings, right? Uh, but then I, I look at something like, like you know, the Saskatchewan uh, Premier who was entrenched, you know, in, in his position on COVID, didn't move a muscle until his personal popularity rating took 18% hit, you know, right into the tank. 
all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, we've got a new solution. Uh, that, that's a really cynical uh, approach to politics. And it, it's something that, I, you know, maybe I'm getting older, but, but we're seeing more of now. And, and that's, that's how I think the political process is, is kind of degraded. So similar to what Gary was saying, it's, it's discouraging. You know, like um, we're leaders who just step up and say, we need to do this thing. And it's not about getting reelected. Yeah, I'm curious, and I just this just occurred to me now. But do you think um, that the the ascension of neoliberalism has anything to do with this, like deeper divide or this deeper, like, so you're talking about conservative governments, you know, that were more red Tory, right? Then, mm -hmm. like, so there was still like more of a general belief in, if you want to go back to the social contract, whereas now we, you know, the the you know, we move further to the right. And so there's, you know, has that kind of created more tension or? Hey, Shauna, can you describe sort of in a couple of sentences what we are talking about when we say neoliberalism? Oh, so it's basically that uh, more of a free market model that, you know, small, small government intervening as little as possible, allowing the economy to self-regulate, um, no regulation, that sort of thing. Blair, you were going to say something. Uh, you know, I, I think neoliberals might have something to do with it, but I think it's also a style of politics and not, not to be uh, obviously partisan, but like I've noticed MPI is taking a kicking for wanting to use some of their surplus for, I don't know, new machines or something, right? And the, the opposition is outraged by this. And I seem to remember the last administration was looking to take surpluses from MPI and put it into general revenues. And, and you know, the Tories were outraged. So you know there's that kind of gamesmanship that's been going on, and it's so it's not it's not uh, it's not unique to one side of the aisle. I think it's a style of politics, uh, and maybe that's driven by this hyper competitive uh, context. I, I don't know, but it's, it's uh, it makes me cynical. Yeah. I can tell you, I remember though. Um, I, I won't say which which uh, MLA it was, but it was an NDP MLA who was. Um, in opposition when Philman was in power. Uh, and he talked about how he believed that the sale of MTS was when the, like he said, previous to that, there was, you know, they would still have conversations with the, the, the two parties, NDP and the Conservatives, going out for lunch. They were collegial. But that sale of M MTS was what really all relationships broke down. So I remember having that conversation with this person. Huh. So I don't know. That well, I think that would be that, that would reinforce what Erica was saying yeah. is that there has been a change. I mean, whether mm -hmm. it was MTS or yeah. whether MTS just happened to be the big issue when the change was, I, I don't know. But, but my point is that's an ideal, that's a neoliberal yes. move, right? To privatize mm -hmm. a public asset. Yeah. I think that was what his point was because it was like this sacred asset that was... That, so that's my point on the neoliberalism, but yeah. So that's sort of where the line was crossed, or that's, somehow. Yeah, 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 that was from his perspective, like whether or not that's accurate. Yeah. yeah, so some European countries, and you know, there is that Netflix show, and I, I was trying to remember the name. Remember in Denmark, a woman prime minister? Shauna, I'm sure I did watch it. it, it was great. I can't remember the name of it but now. Anyway, it's great. And so it sort of gave a little peek into way into the way that government operates. And, you know, building coalitions there is just a normal practice. Um, after the election is over and done with, it's the first thing you do is figure out how this 
coalition with the other parties is going to work. And I mean, sure, there's some, you know, gamesmanship and brinksmanship involved in that, but there is that Borgen, that's what it's called, Borgen, highly recommended, uh, Netflix. So um, anybody know more about that or it's like, or couldn't something like that work? Is, what do we lose maybe by not having that more of a collaborative approach? And I'm not sure that it is all that collaborative when it comes down to it in Denmark, but that's maybe one example of the way it's done differently. Well, I, I think that the reason that the, they move towards coalitions as soon as the election is over because no one party has gotten a majority and so they have no ability to govern unless they have uh, a coalition that represents a majority. Mm. I think in some places uh, that works really well. In Germany that has worked extremely well for a long time. Uh, in Italy it has not worked at all for a long time. Oh. I don't have a, much of an analysis of why uh, Germany works and Italy doesn't, but uh, it probably leadership, probably just the quality of the leadership itself as opposed to the system. I, uh, I think that our system keeps the, keeps the diversity of voices from being heard. I mean, our system is, you know, we have one party who represents 35% of the population and they end up being asked to form government, even if it's minority. And so one of the advantages of the, of the coalition thing is that you, is that you have more uh, of the diverse voices that get a chance to be heard at the table. One of the advantages of our system is that you don't have paralysis. I mean, you have the ability to govern and you have the ability to make, to have an agenda and to maybe set an agenda, a plan for a number of years and to follow through on that plan. So those would be some of the pros and cons of it. But if you think about Canada, if we had a proportional type representation, the way those other countries do, about 35% of Canadians are center right or right. About 65% are center left or left. And under a proportional government, I don't think you would, I think you would have a left-leaning government in perpetuity. I mean, you would, you, you would, uh, I don't know how conservatives would ever have a chance to govern because they don't represent anywhere near uh, the half of the population. Interesting. Blair? I think that kind of presumes that, that the liberals could be categorized as left or center or anything on a reliable basis. I think they, they, they float with the wind, you know, in my experience. But uh, no, I, I, I think Gary's point about, about the idea of, of uh, stability of coalitions. You know, I, I'm all in favor of proportional representation. But, you know, we've just seen in this past election, people were screaming like, oh, the number one election issue is whether there should be an election. Right. And and uh, so the idea of having more frequent elections like you see in Italy or in Israel, for instance, where there's a lot of these coalitions, you know, constantly coming apart at the seams. Uh, I, I just don't think there's a consensus for it in this country. I, I, I certainly still show up, but but I'm not sure everyone else would be happy. OK, we're we're almost out of time. We want to leave time for a song. But Shana, do you have oh, anything you want? Out of time. Yeah. Oh, shocking. Do you have anything? No, you want I don't really have that? anything to add. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean. I don't think we're ever going to see it here for the reasons people gave. The people who are more likely to be in power are going are either the conservatives or the liberals, and they would have no interest in proportional representation because they would lose power. Right. So, so it's good. So I just don't think it's ever going to happen. But 
All right. So this has been very interesting, you guys. Thanks so much for for doing this with me. Maybe we can uh, do it again in the future. We'll see. But Shauna, you got to pick a song. I did. And what did you pick and why? Well, I, actually, after the conversation, I was, I, there were, was another song I could have also picked when you, we were talking about um, the challenges around um, governments and, you know, the clashing and the arguing, because there's another Billy Bragg song that deals with that called Ideology, but I'm not going to pick that one. Uh, the song that I picked is a Billy Bragg song, and I picked it... Um, because I thought it was relevant to the conversation and it's called Between the Wars. It's, uh, I can't remember what year it's from, probably the 80s. Um, and it was, uh, it's, if people don't know of Billy Bragg, he's a, like a, a folk rock singer from the UK. Um, and so this particular song called Between the Wars is a little bit uh, narrowly focused. It's a bit dated. A uh, lot of talking about dudes more than, you know, so there's that. But it's also very much coming from a perspective of blue-collar workers, so there's that. But what I think is interesting about it is that it, it essentially speaks to why government matters um, and talking about um, essentially um, the impact of, of government and the need for government uh, at uh, times of war and in between times of war and the need for regulating capitalism. So it is called Between the Wars, Wars by Billy Bragg. All right, thanks very much. And you've been listening to, uh, what's the show called? Oh yeah, Afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to Afterthought. Uh, my guests have been Gary Lowen, Shauna McKinnon, and Blair Hamilton. Uh, bear with us, we're all like middle-aged people who are losing our middle-aged, quote-unquote, people. <laughs> We're losing our memory as we speak. Uh, <laughs> um, and we've been talking about what is government for? And we'll leave it at that for now. And now here's Billy Bragg with In Between Wars. I was a miner. I was a docker. Man, but they brought prosperity down at the armory. We're arming for beastly boys between the walls. I kept the faith and I kept voting, not for the iron fist, but for the helping hand. For theirs is a land with a wall around. Bye. Bye.
sing to any government that does not deny a man a living wage. Go find the young men, never to fight again. Bring up the banners from the days gone by. Sweet moderation, heart of this nation, desert us not, we are between the